we were just worried that people were not understanding how to use SparkToro. So we came to you, Ramley, with this problem of how can we improve this tour? And so I know one thing was reducing the amount of steps, just, well, let's communicate what we need to in as short amount of steps as possible. Welcome to Behind the Experience episode of another episode of this. Uh, this is a weekly show where we give you inspiring UX examples, proven strategies, and hard-earned lessons from people behind experiences that we love. This is your host, Ramley John, and today we have Amanda Natividad, VP Marketing SparkToro, and Casey Henry, co-founder of SparkToro. And we're going to be talking about SparkToro's product experience. Amanda, Casey, how are you both doing? Amazing. Doing well, Ramley. How are you? I am super excited. We were just talking about snacks and drinks before we started <laughs> so that's always a good way to warm things up i'm going to jump right in for people who are not familiar spark toro is an audience research tool it makes it easy for folks to you know find who really is their audience can you add a little bit more color into that and really explain what the success is for new users for for spark toro and let's start with, with amanda here what is what is success for spark toro users look like hmm so it I'm going to say it depends in the sense of um, people who use our tool use it for a lot of very different reasons. Some people are using it for content marketing, like to under like get a good sense of topics they should cover. Other people use it for cold outreach or digital PR. So it kind of depends on their goals. But maybe one way I would phrase it or one way I would call what success looks like is if somebody runs at least a couple of SparkToro queries. So that's like one, maybe that's one baseline of it. People who, you know, log in, make an account, do a couple searches. Maybe I'd, I'd pause there because I, I want to know what Casey has to say <laughs> about this. Because that's like, that's like the first baseline. I guess I'll also add, because there are other things to this too, right? What, what kind of related queries are they mm. running? Do they understand what they're getting out of this? Like, are these like aimless queries that they don't know what they're looking at? Sure, that's not successful. But are they at least starting out and doing some of these queries? Um, other things would be like, are they creating lists in SparkToro? That's a measure of success. Or even are they looking at the behavior-based emails that we send and taking some kind of action based on what we prescribe? Makes sense. Anything to add, Casey? No, I, I think that's that's right right in that same boat of the things I was thinking of, right? Um, as the technical side of things, I, I track a lot more things. Um, and so not only am I looking at the number of queries that a specific new user is coming in at, I'm also looking at the quality of those queries, right? So on our backend, um, we return a specific number of results based off of the query that they enter. And we typically we see that success with a, a a new free user that comes in if they're running a query and they get too few results that's not good for them but if they also get too many it's the other spectrum because then the results are typically too broad so there's this fine line that we typically look for and i typically look at to to determine if these new users coming in are fully understanding and running quality um queries but but that's a tough one because it, you know it, it it depends on who these people are from coming in have they been onboarded have they been this or that so 
typically that's why I don't surface that number to Amanda and Rand because it's it's hard to interpret and and do anything actionable from that. Um, but same thing, right? Like we look at do they click the exports button and do they download the data? Um, are they creating lists? How many items are they putting on each list? Do they download that list? Um, we have a new feature audience tracking. Are they tracking their audience? All these things in my eyes are things that we can use in the future to try and run through machine learning to understand what makes a good customer at, you know, and what point should we send specific things to them to, to trigger that action? That makes sense. And you, you kind of starting to dwell into that a little bit already in, in terms of like metrics, you both track in terms of success. It's interesting because like we have here both the marketing side and the product side together in the same show. And I'm curious, like, you know, how do you, what are the metrics you both track and uh, how do you make sure that you're, you know, in sync in terms of like, okay, we're bringing in the right kind of users into, into the product itself. You want me to go first on that one? <laughs> I, I, what I would say with this is if, if you've ever listened to our, our CEO and co-founder Rand Fishkin talk, we're a startup, right? And in that same startup sense is we don't track a lot of things. Um, I think Rand, uh, Rand, Amanda, and myself have both, or all three of us have worked at places that, you know, we tracked hundreds of different metrics and hyper analyzing every little thing. And you just get caught in the weeds in that stuff. Like, and for, for us, I think, Rand and I, and, and I'll let Amanda answer, but we specifically look at revenue. Me personally, I'll, I'll look at number of new signups that are coming in and I'll look at, again, that, that quality and quantity of that. And those are probably the two that I only, or two or three that I only really look at. And if we see something go haywire with those top wire ones, then I'll dig deeper, but I'm not spending too much time in the weeds looking at individual little teeny things. Yeah. Same. And like, I mean, you know, I, I look at the overall data that we get from ProfitWell. Like I look at revenue, I look at I look at churn. If something looks unusual, I'll ask questions about like, like, hey, Casey Aran, like, why do you think this happened? Or, you know, we'll talk amongst ourselves if we see something that looks problematic. But we're not we're not looking at attribution like, oh, did this did this specific campaign, like did it bring in 10 customers or was it eleven? Like we need to know mm -hmm. that number. As a marketer, you know, I look at a lot of the marketing metrics, a lot of the KPIs that people that most marketers already know, like, you know, open rates on emails, um, impressions on social or overall engagement, webinar signups. I mean, webinars are a big thing for us, right? Like we put a lot of love into our office hours series, which we do about once a month or so. Um, so we definitely look at signups to that and the overall like engagement in those chats. So these things are kind of subjective, right? Like, like I don't even know how helpful it is to go through some of these metrics in that they don't always tell you how much money you're actually bringing in. Mm. But if your newsletter has a 35% open rate, that's pretty darn good. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally is. And your office hours are attended by hundreds of thousands of people if i remember correctly like hundreds thousands? yeah hundreds. so i think i think we we average about 700 attendees now or 700 wow. registrants um sometimes as many as 1400 just depending on maybe what the topic is um but yeah that's impressive thank you thank you both for sharing the metrics you take a look at i'm gonna jump into a few things in terms of uh, spark tour experience 
we chatted a little bit about the homepage and it has changed this, uh, you know, a new video here. Uh, the headline has changed as well. Find your audience through source of influence. I know that this is uh, something that has changed over time, particularly for you know a tool like SparkTor, where there might not be necessarily a direct uh, competitor for it. Can you talk a little bit about this evolution of what it was before and like what was uh, things that were added after uh, to to this to make it clear for folks? So part of it, I'm kind of going off memory right now too. Um, <laughs> Well, I think something we did was we, we added the video because we wanted to tell more of the story of why SparkTor, like why we exist, what our mission is. So that was that was a pretty, pretty important change for us. Like we, you know, we love this video. Um, we also had something we also did was we we put our social proof up a little bit higher, like the, the right. testimonials so that people can see that above the fold. And I think what I think the other change, Casey, was we put the query box a little bit lower mm. in favor of the video and tagline. I think just yeah. with the idea that people may want to kind of better understand like where they are, like, like what is this website? What does this do? And then, okay, now I'm going to run a query. The important yeah. thing just being that the query box is above the fold. Yeah, I, I think it's the typical, maybe it's not the typical, uh, maybe it is the, the typical marketer problem, right? Like we had so many things that we wanted to be above the fold because we felt they were important. Um, you know, we wanted the video up, we wanted social proof up, we wanted the search bar up, we wanted a nice big CTA. All of that just can't fit above the fold. And so we, we really kind of, I remember going through this design process because the old homepage, it was basically a, a headline and a search bar. And, and, and then below that was, you know, all the typical things you would have. Um, and we felt like we we needed to tell that story and get people invested in why we were doing what we were doing. And I think that's why we, we surfaced the video up at the very top there. Um, we definitely took a hit from a, a number of new users signing up when we pushed that search bar down. But in, at the end of the day, I think it was it was one of those calls that was the right move. Um, and we'll see, we're, we're, you know, we, Amanda, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the next couple of weeks, like we're going to meet with Amanda in LA. And one of the things projects we're going to talk about is a new signup flow. And I think part mm -hmm. of that new signup flow is also going to be adjusting this homepage and, and in my eyes, probably moving that search bar up and making some changes to that. So we might have a, a new homepage by the, for the next time we talk to you. Mm, cool. Yeah. And I mean, like to that point. Like, I think the hypothesis that we had with moving the search bar down was, okay, we're probably going to get a hit in um, the number of signups we get, but hopefully this means that we'll get higher quality mm, users, say. like people who actually right. know what they're getting. That was the, hypoth the hypothesis that we had. So, you know, like, like any startup, right? We're also open to changing it, right? Like, like Casey said, we might put it back up, but I think we'll if we do that, we'll probably, we'll do it with like a better informed decision as to like, oh, now we know a good reason why we should do this. Or if we do do this, here is how we're going to support the user and helping them to understand what this thing is. But yeah. That makes sense. Because like something that you both said uh, really interestingly, you, you both said that telling the story is super, super important because you want to make it make. I'm guessing, and correct me if I'm wrong. You want to make sure that people aren't thinking this is Google, where there's a search bar, and then they they, they click Google, and then because you know um, 
you know you don't want it to people to think it's it's uh it's some it's another moss too essentially is that is that is that a fair assumption why is telling a story so important because i'm a big fan of that particularly for startups to find that story i've worked at a bunch of places that have great stories right moz wistia hubspot like they all have these great stories that people fall in love with and and in that sense they also fall in love with the brand and i i think there's just something powerful to it and i when rand and i had this idea of this video and i think amanda was part of this like we had that conversation we were like we understand that we're probably going to get less users coming in but that's okay because we're at that point where we would rather take quality over quantity because to some extent, those low quality people coming in skew those metrics where then, mm -hmm. you know, we're like, hey, why are these people coming in and only, you know, a, a large number of them only running one query? We've definitely messed something up. And the reality is, is like, no, they just weren't qualified for the product. And so our hope is that these people who fully understand the story of what we're doing are those people that are invested in what the three of us are doing and the product can do for them versus hey i heard this on twitter and you know i'm going to come in and enter my TikTok and i'm going to you know blow up my following like it's not what we are and what we do right so so to me this the story makes sense um do does everybody who hits the homepage watch it no um and we know that like we know video is great for some and not great for others but we hope that that story is also told further down on the page as they're scrolling through mm. and, and reading our, our copy there. Yeah, totally. And like, we do get, you know, occasionally we get a, a, a very kind user who will write to us and say, I loved your, I love watching the video, which is really nice to hear because we, we care deeply about the video, right? To us, it's, it's not just some brand video, right? It tells a story of why we exist, why Rand and Casey built what they built. Uh, and it's important. And, but also to, case, to Casey's point, you don't have to watch it to understand what we do, mm. right? You can also just scroll right. down. And if you were, and when you do scroll down, you'll see that we do still kind of, like we literally kind of tell the story or have the copy about like why you shouldn't just be dependent on the tech giants for your marketing efforts and like how to, how, you know, other ways to think about your marketing. So our hope is that all in all, like that people do watch the video, but you don't have to in order to get the value out of what we do. That totally that totally makes sense. I think um, this I think why stories are so powerful is that they it's rooted in our in our childhood. I think you know as a child, I, you know, stories is what captured our attention first, and telling that story of what is sparked or and why you know Rand and Casey built it together. Uh, it is a fair assumption. I think it, it would increase quality. Uh, data's not out yet for sure, but I, that is a fair fair hypothesis for, for that, telling the story over this search bar at the top, which makes sense. I want to move on now and talk a little bit about for people who have finally logged in here. Uh, you know, they, they see, once people are logged in, they sign up, people can see a, a product tour, uh, and then they, they're guided through this whole ex experience essentially where, you know, it says, welcome to SparkTor Ramley. There's a video from, from Rand. Uh, and it says here that there's a nine step tour. People can jump right in to start the product tour. Or they can just start, let me in SparkTor. So for people who just don't want tours <laughs> at all, can you, can you both talk a little bit about this? Maybe we'll start with, with Amanda here. Um, you know, that, that 
what are some things that, that you can share a little bit about this, uh, this tour and then uh, after we can hear from Casey. Yeah. So I think over a year ago, we were seeing the, the previous tour that we had was like twice as long as this, I think. Um, and we were just seeing like drop off from it or not even drop off, but people completing it. But we suspected they weren't actually completing it, that they were just hitting next, next, next without really paying attention. Um, so there was that. And, you know, just with, you know, what our churn was, with the way user behavior was, we were just worried that people were not understanding how to use Spartoro. So we came to you, Ramley, with this problem of how can we improve this tour? And so I know one thing was reducing the amount of steps, just we could not, and it wasn't even because nine is the magic number, right? It was just, well, let's communicate what we need to in as short amount of steps as possible, reasonably possible. Um, and I think the other change we made in general was we added, like we we streamlined it in such a way that it was like, here's the first step, do this thing, which would get the user to do the thing, to accomplish the task and then move on to the next step. I think it also basically culminates into people creating a list. I haven't done the tour in a minute, but I think that's what it was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And Casey, is there anything you can add to that? Like, well, did you, are you seeing more, you know, to what Amanda said that there was a 18 step tour before that goes through every single detail. And now, you know, I, um, this is more focused on getting somebody to actually start searching some stuff up. Like, I, have you seen that spike and you don't have to provide like actual numbers, but in, yeah. in general, yeah. Yeah. I think, our first tour that we put together, it was, Amanda, were you there for that? Or was it just no, Rand and I? I think it was, it was just Rand. Rand, yeah. Okay, so Rand is apprehensive about these kind of tours, right? Like he's the type who just, the way he learns is he just gets in and plays with it, right? That's how he wants to, to learn. And um, so he was hesitant to be like, why do we want to stop somebody from being able to get in and just use it? And I, and I was like, well, not everybody learns like you, right? Like we need this this thing. And so him and I put together like what we thought was most important for people to understand about SparkToro. And as founders and product people, what happened is we had a list of 23 things and we thought all of them were the most important thing that they needed right. to know about. And so that's what that tour was, right? It was walking through people through these the, every little deep aspect of the of that and then when we brought you in you were kind of like well let's focus on what are the main things that we want people to focus on so that they see immediate value and i think that's where we got these nine steps when so this and the sense was like walk through some of the basics of the data that they're seeing here and then culminate that into what we determined to be activation for our users which was creating a list and adding something to it and so far, it, it's been great, right? Like, um, we haven't changed it in a year. And I think that's partially because we're a team of three and we have a lot of other low-hanging fruit to work on. And right. uh, it's definitely on our list of things that we need to, to retouch again as we've added more features and, and learned about our users more. As every product evolves, the users change and we need to, to change our tour with that. Um, and so... Um, my guess is it's going to land on Amanda's plate. And at that point, I'll run true metrics. Because again, like every engineer, like I'm trying to log as much information as we can about how people are engaging in this tour. 
But at that same time, it's not something that we look at every day. Like if Amanda came to me tomorrow and was like, hey, I want to know the metrics on the tour. I'm like, no problem. I can get that data. But you asking me today and wanting to know the success on it, I have no idea, right? Like I'd have to run the numbers and pull. Um, but I can tell you from the early tour that we had, we had a lot of success with it. But like Amanda said, we weren't sure if that was just people click, 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 clean. Um, mm -hmm. And what we found with this new tour is we've, we definitely have a drop off because there's I think on the seventh step, there's an action that somebody has to take before they list. Yeah. Yeah. Before they can kick into steps eight and nine. And so we see a lot of success up until that point. And then people are like, wait a minute, maybe I don't understand what lists are, or maybe they're just clicking through. We haven't quite figured that out. And really we haven't analyzed that data to, to truly figure that out, but um, it will be on our list the next time we have to, to, to do that. So um, yeah. Makes a ton of sense. And I love how you both talked about what success looked like for new users. Like this is guiding somebody to that success state, essentially, you know, rather than like pointing out like interesting things and interesting buttons, like you're really driving them to to the different things. And you know, the final call to action is like, hey, if you need more help, here's here's where you can definitely uh, find more resources, which leads us into you know the free the free queries, which I feel like is a genius move. I'm, essentially shows the full power of spark toro and from what i've heard as well uh you know yeah amanda you custom request some full powered searches from casey when you're doing presentation can you talk a little bit about like how important this is like showing the full power with a free query rather than i know right now i think there's a limitation i forget if it's five or ten full power queries but Amanda, can you talk a little bit about those those free queries you show on on presentations you've done uh, online or as well in person. Yeah. So the first thing is um, anybody can sign up for a free SparkToro account and they get five searches per month. And if you are, you know, if you pay attention to your emails and you'll see that if you complete the onboarding email sequence, you can get mm. more queries. It's basically like, hey, cool. You like went through all the steps. If you want more queries, click here and we'll just top you off. Um, because we really wanted people to get value for free. And with the free account, people can see a sampling of most of the data. So that's one piece. Um, but the other, other thing you're referring to with regards to the free full queries are one, in, in every user's dashboard, there's this module here where you'll see free full queries. And we have three very different types of queries. You, uh, for people who use, who use a certain hashtag, people who use certain words in their profile, or who follow this, a certain social account. So this is to give people a sense of what very different types of queries will look like and to see the full data in these specific ones. So in these, you can see like, you know, the top, I think, 100 or 200 podcasts that are popular within these audiences or YouTube channels they subscribe to. As for presentations, sometimes, you know, what, what I'm invited to do uh, what is essentially a SparkToro demo or like some kind of marketing presentation for which I can put SparkToro front and center. I like to use queries that are most relevant to that audience. And I show them screenshots, how to use the data. And I also like to ask Casey, like, hey, can you set up this as a free full query so that if anybody, you know, who attended this wants to check afterwards, they can use that same query and see everything mm. that I just showed them, but on their own time. Makes sense. And then for you, Casey, like, how did this uh, come about? Like, you know, those queries, um, those free queries, was this like something that you suggested to, to Rand or like, was it something that he suggested? Like, oh, it'd be cool if we had free queries that people don't have to use up their query quota. 
honestly, I think it was Amanda. Was oh, it? I think she gets. I think she gets the product genius for this one. Yes. What <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it, if you if you've ever written in a SparkToro support and and said, "Hey, I'm looking for a demo," the typical mm. response you're going to get is. We're sorry. We're a small team of three. Like we just <laughs> don't have bandwidth to do demos. Do demos, and, right? And part and part of this has came from our early days when it was just Rand and I, and Rand would spend a quarter to a half of his time doing demos. Wow. And we and we would right. track the success of that. And either he's not a great salesman, which I don't <laughs> think he is. He's a marketer. Well, that's a, that doesn't. That's not a great thing. He's a great salesman, but in a different way, he's not a, like mm. a, a salesman, right? And so right. he would do all these demos and we would see nobody convert to a paid account for that. And so we made that call that was like, this just isn't worth your time, right? Like right. You, you're you an expensive man and the, you know, you're doing a large number of these. It just doesn't make sense. And so I think part of these queries is great in the sense that somebody writes in, they're like, I want to fully see the capability of your product. It's like, no problem. Here's, you know, go here, do this, click that. Let us know if you have any questions, like play with it, interact with it. It's better than uh, no demo at all. So I'm not sure if that's directly where it came from. I think Amanda, I'd have to go back and, you know, but I'm pretty sure it was you that, that came up with that. Um, and it's, and it's just evolved from there. I think it's, it's it's a it was a logical next step to show people the true power because we're we're playing that fine line of trying to have a forever free product where somebody can come in and get value from a free product that provides sample data and then also still having a paid product where people can get that full data so it's like where's the the fine line right mm. like do you show too much and give too much away on the free product? They're never going to convert to a paid product. But if you are the opposite, then you don't have people come back and use the free product month after month. So I think this was a great kind of middle line for now until we truly can figure out where we want to go with that. Yeah. I, I'm also going to say like, I think, well, one, when, when people do ask for a demo, we point them to a lot of resources, right? Mm. We don't just answer the one question. We're like, watch this video, check out this blog post, go to this help article, which kind of answers our questions in a lot of different types of ways. So, you know, we respond to that. Um, and that's why I yeah. don't answer those emails. because <laughs> I, <you> know, <laughs> I, I let Rand and Amanda handle those emails that come in. <laughs> I do. It's kind of a natural sort of delineation of like, Someone asks about API stuff. I'm like, well, I don't know. That's for Casey. <laughs> um, but what I this is it's also fun to hear the sort of backstory for the no demos in that I've kind of surmised that, but I didn't really, I guess I hadn't really put together how much time Rand was spending mm. on demos and how they just weren't that fruitful. Because I think when when I was like newer at SparkToro, I I was I think I did more demos then and I kind of put that on myself as like, well, I should be doing more of this as I onboard and like ramp up as an employee and better learn the tool and hear what, hear what customers are saying. But even then, I remember coming back to, to Casey and Rand at some point being like, hey, you know, demos don't convert well. And they're like, yeah, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> we agree. <laughs> Interesting. We were just trying to prove the, prove the fact that 
we were just trying to figure out if Rand truly was bad at selling <laughs> or if it was just if it was just something in, in general. So either you That's both funny. are really bad salespeople or we just don't have a product that sells. Maybe we're both bad salespeople because yeah. I'm also the type to be like, yeah, if you don't want this, you really shouldn't buy it. You, you didn't try to close the deal at the end and get their phone number? and, and I should have. And their, been like, their address and yeah. their credit card and uh, social insurance child. number. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You can tell we have a love for sales. Sorry, anyone out there. Yeah. It, it might not even be that. It could be the the people who use SparkTor, the users, are clickers. They just want to click around. Like It might just be that being shown it is not as valuable to them as yeah. them click. Is that is that a fair? Am I create, totally out of my um, talking out no, of I, place I, here to say? I think you're right. I think I would call it like a, it's a product of discovery, right? Like mm, product of discovery. Uh, what I would say is when somebody comes in and they're like, oh, I know my audience. My audience talks about drones. That's great. I'm glad you know that. But the reality is, is to get the best use out of the product is you run that query and then you start clicking on the data that you see, right? You're like, mm. oh, my audience talks about drones, but they also use this hashtag. I'm going to click on that hashtag. Oh man, when the people use that hashtag, they also follow this audience or this, you know, social account. I didn't know that. And then they click on that and they're like, oh man, people who, you know, follow that social audience also like this mm. subreddit and that holy cow, like you start to build this, like you start to fully understand the universe of, of your audience versus really just saying, oh, my audience just talks about drones. Yeah. Well, they also talk about a lot of other things and to get that you really need to click, which is why I think one of those activation metrics, like when you circle full, go full circle, right? Is like, you start to see more queries being run. That's a sign that the dots are clicking that people need to do more than just one, right? Yeah. Oh, two other things I'd say is, I think with regards to like sales calls, it's, I think as a B2B or not even B2B, but as a SaaS tool, I don't think what we do just lends itself well to sales calls. And I don't think that's mm. unique to us, right? I think sales calls are just more appropriate for sort of high touch services or highly customizable services or software. So like tends to be the enterprise stuff, right? Where if you're selling enterprise software where there's a lot of customizations, then it makes sense to do a sales call, right? Where you really understand all the different things that your customer needs because you're gonna make those things for them. For us, if a customer has a certain need that we don't fulfill, we're not gonna change that. I mean, sure, maybe long term is a product iteration, but that's not like, a, oh, great, we'll just fix it on the back end. Like that's that just isn't what our tool does or what we do. Um, but I'd also say that when people write into us with specific questions, like, hey, I'm trying to sell to sell this fitness product to people. Mm. Like, how do I use your tool? Then you know, if people ask us a specific question, we'll respond with a specific answer. Right. It's like mm -hmm. once in a while, if it makes sense, like I'll even record a loom video for someone to show them a screen share and be like, hey, here's here's how I think I would approach this if I were in your shoes. So we do offer some level of like personalized customer support. Right. But it tends to be async. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and what I would also say is for those people who are doing or early in that product development um, cycle, those sales calls were really great, right? We mm -hmm. didn't close any of those deals, but we learned a lot, right? And a lot of our product features that came out down the road came from some of those early calls where, you know, Rand was trying to pitch the product and they were like, oh, this is great, but it'd be really great if it did X. 
And then Randall mm. come back and be like, oh man, we're really excited about, <laughs> you know, but, and there's that fine line, right? Like if you have one person who's really excited about it, it doesn't mean you necessarily need to build it. But if you're talking to 10, 20 people and there's a recurring theme there, that's great. So I know we're, we're diving off into the deep end here, no, but this is perfect. you know, I don't want to go off and say you should never try and do demos or sales mm. calls. Like there, there's a, there was a lot of benefit there other than not selling the product. Mm. I feel like that's where uh, potentially where uh, the office hours fits in. It's like the quality of the results really depends on the quality of the search, like garbage in, garbage out, and the office hours and the Loom videos. And I see Ren and Amanda sometimes share. You know, here's what you can take a look at in terms of searches. Uh, is 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 very valuable because like that would give you better results, and that you know would lead to more likelihood of that person becoming uh, a customer. Is, is and that's why maybe office hours are super popular they just want to learn how to use the tool better is that, is that am i crazy you know i think i think we have gone a bit off the rails with office hours this year i'll admit in that when it started out as like hey let's do basically an expanded demo where it's not mm. here's how to use Sparktoro. it was more here's a point of view on this specific marketing strategy or tactic mm. and here's how you would use Sparktoro to make this thing better. Where I think we've got off the rails is we've had a couple of presentations that were just about marketing in general, um, which is fine too, right? But I do, what I am looking forward to is us getting back to the point where they, they become more of those expanded demos again. But what we also do is we always have time for Q&A where we allow people, we answer people's questions about audience research, about SparkToro specifically. So there is, of course, the SparkToro piece of it still. That makes sense. Always be closing. Always be closing. Who's that guy? The Wolf of Wall Street? Uh, always ABC. Uh, yeah, it's one Gary Glenn Ross, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to start wrapping up and ask this question around what are you excited to try out next? I know from what I heard, your the whole SparkToro team is going to be meeting um, in a few weeks. What are some things that you're looking forward to try out on the website in the in the in the product itself uh, for for both of you? So maybe let's start off with Casey and hear what you're excited about to try out. Oh man, let's start with Amanda. I feel like that's <laughs> I want to know what she's excited about. Yeah. Well, okay. I guess I have two answers. Or, or maybe that's horrible to, to make you go first. <laughs> I say I'm excited about something, and you're like, we're not doing that, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> oh, no. Um, well, one thing is Rand and I have spoken at a lot of on a lot of podcasts, and like a lot of virtual events, webinars. Um, and speaking for myself, I would I'm looking forward to pumping the brakes a bit on that for myself. Um and spending more time on SparkToro work. I've just started to feel, you know, personally, a level of burnout with a lot of a lot of um, speaking stuff. And I felt like, I feel like I'm not doing enough work work. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing more work. Um, <laughs> that is hopefully more, um, well, I want, I'd like to do more blog posts, um, mm. but also looking forward to, what it might look like as we iterate on some of our features, what maybe maybe a revised um, email onboarding sequence would look like, like what tweaks we'll make there, um, how we're going to continue to communicate some of the newer features. Like we haven't done a whole lot with um, 
with our Reddit step, with our Reddit feature, right? Like we've, we've marketed it a little bit, right? At top of funnel, but I'm curious to see like how we'll end up, how we'll go back to like maybe some of our onboarding emails and say, Hey, maybe this is a good part, part to talk about Reddit, like stuff like that. Um, and so overall, just excited. The other thing I'm excited about is any changes that we might make to our free user experience. Mm. So we've been talking about ways to provide more value in some of the queries or some of the data for the free accounts. So I'm excited to see what we what we come up with there and like what we decide to ultimately pursue. And then for yourself, Casey, what are you excited about? Oh man. Um, so I think from the technical side of things, like I'm excited. So I've been working on uh, a new feature that's coming out, audience tracking for more than a year. Like it's it's taken me longer to build this feature than it has to build the original product, um, which is sad, but it's had some uh, unique challenges with it. So I'm excited to get that out the door in the next couple of weeks here. Um, we have a new sign up flow that I think I briefly touched on that we're, we're kind of excited about doing. It's gonna be a different focus. So we're kind of playing that game of like, you know, is this going to bring in the right users or the wrong users? So I'm excited to see what that does. And I think this, ultimately, I think Rand and I have had this discussion and, and partially what Amanda just said, right, is is this focus of of acquisition, the change from acquisition focus where, you know, Rand and Amanda are out, out on broadcasts and speaking and doing all these things to, to bringing it back home a little bit and focusing on the users that are already here. Um, and trying to make that experience for those users better. So the you know the free users that are coming in, how can we better position the mark the product for them? And once they're in, and and free users too. Like we have a, a huge number of users that come in that never convert, and we have this great free product. Well, we think it's a great free product, but we want to make sure that they're actually utilizing it. And so, how do we get them to re-engage in it and continue to engage with it? So there's a lot of challenges that uh, I'm excited for. But uh, the three of us typically we don't we don't try to plan out six months, 12 months, like typically it's like, what are the next three months look like? And let's mm, try and tackle those. And then let's look at the little data or the, the data we have about it and then pivot if we need to. Um, and then and then run from there. So, and the other thing I'm, I'm always excited to put new data into the product, right? So we're always thinking about new data that we can collect and crawl um, and how that can be integrated into, into SparkToro. Awesome. Well, thank you both for your time. One final question, where can people find out more about SparkToro? As well as where do you want people to follow you on online? Is it Twitter, LinkedIn, Macedon, something else? <laughs> well, definitely check us out at sparktoro.com. And if you happen to have a typo when you type that out, we probably got you covered with a redirect. <laughs> <laughs> so sparktoro.com, check us out to find your audience's sources of influence like the social accounts they follow, podcasts they listen to, websites they frequent, and much more. Um, and then follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter. And if you can find us on Mastodon, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you both so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for thank having you. us.